So if you have your copy of God's Word this morning, I invite you to open it to Luke chapter 8. But before we do that, let's again go to our God in prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you. And God, we do truly proclaim all of the things that we've sung this morning. God, that by your grace and by your blood, we are no longer slaves to our sin and that you are our only and our living hope. God, not just a dead hope that we think about, God, but you are the hope that sustains us day to day. And so this morning, as we hear your word preached, Lord, I pray that your spirit would attend to us. God, I pray that you would use me this morning as a conduit of your word and of your gospel. So Lord, I pray that the the message of your servant this morning would be one that makes much of you in our hearts and our minds. Lord, open our eyes to see the Spirit's work. We pray that through this word from you this morning, God, that you would bring conviction where it's needed, you would bring comfort where it is needed, and Lord, that through all things, you would remind us of your goodness and of your grace. So God, be glorified this morning in the preaching of your word for your glory and for our joy. We ask in this precious name of Jesus. Amen. So thinking yesterday, or excuse me, thinking Friday, as I was sitting there in graduation, I kind of was reflecting back and thinking on a lot of the uh, opportunities I've had in ministry in the last decade of ministry, full-time ministry, and what that's looked like in my life. And it got me thinking back to some of the other sermons that I had heard sitting with large groups of people. And one particular one came to mind. There were so many that were great and blessed me in so many ways. And then there was this one uh, that came to mind. And it was as I was in my early 20s, maybe not even 20 yet, and I was first kind of feeling out that call to ministry that God had placed on my life. And so I had gone as an adult leader to the Tsunami Student Conference, which is a, an annual youth conference in California. And I'd gone with our church as one of the adult leaders that year. And I remember very specifically sitting there one night in one of the main sessions and, and hearing the, the guy who was speaking uh, talking about the Christian life. And he said, I want to give you a portrait of the Christian life. I said, okay. And this is what he said. He began to tell a story of an interview with Chuck Yeager. Chuck Yeager was the first pilot to ever break the sound barrier in a jet. And so he's telling this story of this interview with Chuck Yeager. And as he's telling it, people are getting drawn in and, and we're getting excited about it and we're seeing what he's saying. And so he's, he's, te- he's telling the story. And, and, and so an interviewer is interviewing Chuck Yeager and right after he had broken the sound barrier and they said, you know, Chuck, what... Uh, what was it like up there? Just give us the rundown of what you experienced. And so he starts, Chuck Yeager starts to describe. He says, well, we took off and everything was, seemed like it was going well. And as we gained altitude, I increased the speed and things were going just as we thought they would. And so then we get up to our, our cruising altitude where we're going to break the record at. And I throttle up. And he says, as I throttle up, things start to shake. He says, okay, but we, we expected this. We know what we're doing. So I throttled up some more. He said, and every time I throttled up as I approached breaking the sound barrier, things got to shaking and things became more violent. And finally, as I'm getting there, as I'm getting close, as I'm seeing the, the I don't know what it's called on the airplane, but the speedometer go up and we're approaching that mark of speed where we're going to break the sound barrier. He said things got so violent and were shaking so much that I thought the jet was going to come apart and I was just going to be flying through the air by myself and things were rattling and things were shaking and it was so violent. But then we hit it and we broke the sound barrier. And they said, what was that like? And he said, it was like sailing on a sheet of glass. 
And then the speaker that morning said this. That is what the Christian life is like. Life is hard and life is violent and life will beat you up. But then once you come to Jesus, it is smooth and it is easy. And it is like sailing on a sheet of glass. Just from the experience of my life, and I'm sure some of you are sitting there, and from the experience of your life, you can know that that is not a true testimony of what the Christian life is like. Right? Anybody, when you came to Christ, did all your problems just go away? In a sense, they did, right? Because we know that Jesus has victory and, and all of those things that he's achieved for us. But anyone's life, you never had another thing to worry about. You never had another struggle. You never had another problem. Right? That's not a, a true portrait of what the Christian life is. Jesus himself, right, says, in this life you will have troubles. James says, when you face trials of various kinds. It's an inevitability. Coming to Christ and living the Christian life is not just smooth sailing. So this morning, I want us to turn to what I feel is a much better portrait of the Christian life. And it's in Luke chapter 20, or Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 22. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 22. The gospel writer Luke records this. One day he got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake. And they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Lord, we pray this morning that this text would come alive in our hearts and our minds through the power of your Spirit. God, we pray that you would use these words from Luke to draw us in closer to you and give us a greater picture and a more true understanding of who you are, what you have done, and what you are doing for your people this morning. So I want you to see a couple of things. Now, right, so like I said, 231st graduating class of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Grew up as a Baptist. Please don't hold it against me. But uh, so as I'm thinking about like how to get ready for this, right, immediately I'm like three points that all start with the same letter, right? So that, that was my initial thought, right? I want to talk about the, the power of the storm and the the possibility of the rescue and all of these things, right? We're not doing that. Here's what I want you to do. As we go through this text, I just want to walk through it together. And at the end of it, we're going to build a sentence together. A one-sentence phrase that we can walk away with each and every one of us this morning that hopefully will help guide our thoughts and guide our lives as we seek to follow Christ. And so here's the first truth and the first part of our sentence that I want us to see out of this. It is this, Christian. 
Jesus goes into the storm with his people. Jesus goes into the storm with his people. It would have been really easy for Jesus to be like, all right, y'all hop in a boat and head out across the river because you can't just disappear and appear places like I can. And I'm going to do my Jesus thing and I'll meet you there. Y'all, Jesus knew that that storm was coming, right? right? Jesus knew that when they got in that boat and when they started sailing across the Sea of Galilee, that those winds were going to pick up and those waves were going to get big and it was going to get hard and it was going to get violent and that storm was coming. He knew that. And he still said, hey, come get in this boat with me and let's go. Jesus goes into the storm with his people. Jesus goes into the storm with his people. That's why, like in John chapter 16, he says things like, in this life you will face troubles. But what's he say after that? But take heart, for I have overcome the world. And it's like when James says, Consider it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of various kinds. We know they're coming. Jesus knows they're coming. Jesus knows the life that he has called you to live as his follower. And the great part about it is that he is with you through it. Jesus goes into the storms of life with you. He doesn't wait until you get into them and then he shows up to save the day. But he says, step by step, moment by moment, you are with me and I am with you. No matter what comes, we will face it together. What a comfort and what a joy. We know troubles come. We know that the hardships of life, we live in a broken world, right? All the way back at the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, we see that sin has entered this world and nothing is the way that it is supposed to be. And because of that, life gets hard and life is bad. And pardon me if this offends anyone here because I said this one time in my last church and it offended a lot of people, but life sucks sometimes. Right? I heard some amens. I believe it. Life is hard. Life is bad because life is broken. Life is not the way it's supposed to be. And so we, we walk through storms. And the waves come. And they seem big and they seem scary and they seem intimidating. You know why? Because they are. This is what this message is not today. This message is not Jesus is with you, so don't worry about the storm and just have faith and trust in him, and it's going to be okay, and it's smooth sailing. Ultimately, yes, that is all true, what I just said. But in the moment of life storms, as we're walking through the brokenness that sin has brought into this world, that message, though it gives us our eternal hope and it roots us eternally, does not carry us through moment by moment. But what does carry us through moment by moment is the reality and the knowledge that even though we are walking through the storms, even though we are facing the waves, even though the winds are blowing and everything feels out of control, Jesus is walking with you, not in eternity, but in the moment. Jesus goes into the storm with his people. 
what he calls his disciples to do here to what he calls us to do now. Hey, come and get in this boat, and I'm going to take you somewhere. And we're going to face some storms and some difficulties along the way. But at the end of the day, we're going to get where we're going. Jesus may have never called you to get into a boat with him on a physical lake. But what he has done is he has come to you and he has said, look, I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. Let's go somewhere together and I will lead the way and I will go with you and we're going to face some storms along the way. And we're going to face some hard things. But at the end, church, we're going to get to where we're going because Christ is with us every step of the way. Thank you, Jesus. Here's the other thing that that means. It means that the trials that you face, the hardships, the brokenness that you suffer from, the sufferings that you deal with are not in any way meaningless or irrelevant. In any way. Each one of them, each moment of affliction, each moment of suffering is incredibly meaningful. Why? Because in some way God is working through it to show you who he is and to draw you in to him. Whether it's a cancer diagnosis, whether it's the loss of a child, whether it's a grown child who's straying from the Lord after you feel like you've done everything to show them the right way, whether it's the loss of a job, whether it's suffering from disease or sickness or mental illness, whatever it is, whatever it is, it is not insignificant. Please, Christian, hear that this morning. God deeply cares about your suffering because he is working in your suffering and through your suffering to do one very important thing, and that is to show you who he is and to draw you in to him. Amen. So though we mourn, Though we feel the weight of the brokenness of the world that we live in, though we feel the sting of death, though we feel the weight of sickness, though we bear all of these things, we can have hope and we can know and we can trust that in that they are not insignificant. And God is in some way, even though it confounds our minds and we can't see it working for our good, for his glory and for our joy. I love the way that the New Testament puts this. It says that these light and momentary afflictions are achieving for you an eternal weight of glory. No matter what it is, no matter the storm, you will face a storm. And we each face different storms. We each walked through those doors right there this morning facing a different storm in our life. I don't know what your storm is. You don't know what my storm is, but I do know that we all face them and we all walked in here this morning bearing the weight of brokenness of living in a sinful world. But here's what I want you to know first and foremost is that into that storm, Jesus goes with you. Here's the second part. I want you to get this picture in your mind. They start sailing. What was the primary job of the majority of the disciples? Fishermen, right? These guys had been on these waters hundreds, 
if not thousands of times in their life. They knew what they were doing. When they got into the boat and Jesus said, cool, I'm going to go take a nap, they were like, go for it. We got this. We're the, we're the professional sailors here, right? We know what we're doing. And then the storm comes. And I want you to get this picture in your head. These guys had faced hundreds, dozens, I don't know, a ton of storms on the Sea of Galilee. They had been here before. And what is their, I have to imagine, what is their initial reaction to this is, we've been here before. We know what to do. And so they start tying up the sails even tighter. And they start checking all the lines and all the rigging on the boat. And they make sure that they have good steering control. And they make sure that everything is, is tightened down and the things that are, need to be taken off the deck are off of the deck and there's room to work. And then the waves start coming and the wind starts blowing. And they say, okay, we know what we're doing. We got this, guys. Here we go. Ready? We're going to face the storm. And they start lashing down the sails and they start putting down the rigging and they start getting everything ready to endure the storm because they've been here before and they're the professionals and they know what they're doing. And so they do everything that they know how to do. And do you know what happens? The boat starts filling up with water. I said, that's okay. We faced big storms before. We know what we're doing. And so they all grab buckets and they start bailing out water and they start throwing it out of the boat. And now they're like, wait, but we're all bailing water. The, the sails are coming loose. And so they run over and things start to spiral out of control. And suddenly these professionals who were trusting in themselves and in their ability and in their knowledge realize something. They realize they are going to die and there is nothing that they can do about it. The storm is too big. And so I, I can only imagine this scene in my head as the disciples are, are sailing across through the storm and they're trying to do everything that they can in their power to, to, to save themselves. And they're trying to get the water out of the boat and keep the boat from sinking. And they're trying to keep the sails from tearing and the mast from breaking. And they're trying to do everything that they've been taught and everything they've spent their whole life training for. But at the end of the day, the only thing they can do is they cry out and they say, Lord, we are perishing. And they have exerted the fullness of their efforts. Everything that they have as a professional sailor. And they come to the end of themselves. And they cry out to Jesus who is in the back of the boat. And they say, Lord, do something. We're perishing. We have no hope. And they call upon Jesus I wonder how many times in our lives when the winds pick up and the waves start to get big and we face one of those storms, our immediate reaction is to say, I've got this. I've been here before. I know what to do. I've struggled with addiction in the past. I know how to deal with it now. I've lost close family members. I can just toughen up and do it. And whether we put our hope in our knowledge, whether we put our hope in our tenacity, whether we put our hope in our individualism, whether we put our hope in whatever it is, 
We say, I have the thing that is going to save us. That's exactly what the disciples did when the storm came. They said, we have the sailing skills to get us through this. We don't need to bother Jesus with it. Let him take his nap. He just taught a bunch of people. I'm sure he's really tired. Let him rest. We got this. Christian, how many times, how many times do we do the exact same thing? Yeah, I got to face this, but God doesn't care about this, right? God cares about the big stuff. No, we don't need to be praying about my storm. We need to be praying about this person. They just got a cancer diagnosis. We need to be praying for for this person, right? They've just faced this thing. God, God, don't, I don't need to bother God. I got this. Guys, Jesus got into that boat with his disciples for a reason that day. It wasn't to take a nap. Jesus called you to follow him and to walk with you for a reason. And it wasn't to sit idly by and watch you struggle. And to watch you be beaten down by a broken world. We cannot trust in ourselves. I'm going to tell you something this morning that goes against everything that our culture says. You are not enough. You are not enough. Our culture tells us that you are enough. You have everything that you need. You just got to look after yourself and you be an individual, right? You pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You do it, you don't show weakness, and you get yourself through. If the disciples had kept that mentality, their bones would be in a boat at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. If we keep that mentality, that we are enough, we are all we need, I don't need help I don't need help from God. I don't need help from God's people. I don't, I don't need community. I just need myself. We may not end up at the bottom of the lake. But we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. It's the second part of our sentence this morning. Jesus goes into the storm with his people. Second part. So stop trusting in yourself. We, when we were on our trip this, these last couple of days, we just all three of us packed in one big suitcase. We were only going to be gone for a couple of days. And so it was, it was a heavy suitcase. And when we got there, Carson said, TJ, can you throw the suitcase up on the bed so we can unpack some stuff? Because I had all my clothes in there for graduation. Didn't want to get wrinkled and all of that. And Lawson says, I'll do it, Mommy. Who's more fit for the job? My three-year-old, who apparently loves to wave at people. Or me, his father, who's a full-grown man with a beard. Right? How often do we treat God the same way? How often, when, when the storm comes, when the brokenness comes, when the hurting comes, do we say, I got to do it. I've got to do it. 
If I don't do it, then I'm not strong. Because that's Lawson's big thing. No, I'm strong. I do it. So, buddy, you are strong, but daddy's stronger. Guys, we are able. So one of the joys that we have is that not only did his Christ given himself so that we may be once and for all freed from the tyranny of sin and have an eternal and living hope. But he has given himself to us so that moment by moment, day by day, we can acknowledge the fact that we are not enough and we can rely on him. So stop trusting in yourself. That's right. Stop it. Because the only place that trusting and relying in your own strength gets you is that you're going to have a high view of yourself and a low view of God. And you're not going to make it. And you will pridefully walk into destruction. Stop relying on yourself. We cannot rely on ourselves. We cannot rely. I've gone to church. I know the Bible, right? I grew up in the church. We still say grace before every meal. We're good. We got this. Y'all, you don't got it. I promise you don't. I don't. Pastor Paul doesn't. All of the great pastors that we look up to, they don't have it. It is only Christ. It is only Christ. And so these disciples were facing this storm on the Sea of Galilee and they came to the point where they, they finally understood there is nothing that we can do in ourselves to save us from this storm. We have to turn to Jesus. It is only Jesus. Church, we, we experience this same thing. And if you haven't already experienced it, I, I pray that you will see the reality of it today. And that you will know that one day you are going to experience the same thing that these disciples faced. And because, here's the deal, if you don't, even if you have an easy, nice life, you face this storm that is beckoning called sin and death. And you will face that storm. And if you face it in your own strength, there is nothing that you will be able to do to save yourself. But, if just like the disciples, you realize that, and you realize there's nothing that I can do. There's, I am not strong enough, I am not good enough, I am not smart enough, my moral philosophy isn't good enough, my worldview won't save me, there's nothing that I can do to get this water out of my boat. And you cry out and you say, Jesus, I am perishing, I have no hope outside of you, please do something. And he will look at you with loving and gracious eyes. And he will say, my child, I already did. Amen. He will say, 2,000 years ago, I hung on a cross. Bearing the weight of that storm that you are facing. So that you don't have to. And that you may have shelter. And Jesus becomes the shelter that keeps us safe in the midst of the storm. And we hide ourselves in him. And he takes the barrage of the storm for us as he hangs there on that cross. The wrath of God being poured out upon him. And I, I love the way that Mark says it. He says, and the father crushed him for us. Amen. And Jesus says, I've already bared that storm. 
for you. Come and find your shelter. As he hung on a cross, and then three days later, his followers go to take care of his body, and they find an empty tomb. Why? Because Jesus said in this life, you will face troubles. In this world, you will face troubles. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And we know that because 2,000 years ago, when they went to take care of his body, they found an empty tomb. Not even sin and death and the greatest storm that has ever plagued mankind since the beginning could stop Jesus. So, our third point this morning. Jesus goes into the storm with his people. So stop trusting in yourself. And focus on the one who is in your boat. Jesus goes into the storm with his people. So stop trusting in yourself and focus on the one who is in your boat. And this is why I say that. Because I think in those moments of storm, the storms of life, I think as the waves of life and the waves of trouble and sorrow and suffering and brokenness start to smash against our boat that we're sailing in, we start to focus on those waves. And we start to think about how big they are and how overwhelming they are and how there's nothing that we can do to stop their power. But I love the way that this story ends in Luke chapter 8. The disciples in verse 25. Jesus says, where's your faith? And I love what they say. And they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water? When we shift our focus from the size of the waves and the ferocity of the storm to the one who is in our boat, we will marvel when we understand who Jesus is. When we truly see a picture and a portrait of who Jesus is, we will marvel and we will say, who is this? That the, he commands even the elements. And not only that, I love how it ends. He commands the winds and the rains and they obey him. They obey him because he is the one who has triumphed. He is the one who brings victory. He is the creator of all things. I love the answer that Jesus gives when they say, come on, man. You say, you know Abraham? Abraham died like 4,000 years ago. And Jesus says, truly I say to you that before Abraham was, I am. Guys, the statement, right? We talk about it a lot. Jesus says the great I am and what that means. 
What that means is that the one who is in our boat with us, the one who wraps his arms around us and shelters us from the storm, the one who who meets the woman at the well and meets the woman caught in adultery as they're being exploited by the religious leaders and as as they're just having terrible things in society done to them, and, and the one who wraps his arms around them and comforts them and gives them a hope for their future is the same one who is in our boat with us, who wraps his arm around us and comforts us and shelters us and gives us a hope that we also can endure the storms of life. But here's the thing. He is not just the comforter, but he is the one all the way back in the beginning. He is the I am. He is the pre-existent one. He is the one by whom and for whom all things are created. And he is the one who now is holding all things together by the word of his power. That is the one who is in our boat with us. It is not just a, a, a comforter. It is not just someone who's there to be a friend to us. It is the living God of the universe who is in your boat and wants to wrap his arms around you and say, I love you and I gave myself for you so that you can endure this storm right now. That is the Jesus that we focus on. That is the Jesus that we put our hope and our trust in. Because that is the Jesus who has stepped down off of his throne as the high king over all things forever and has put on his own creation and has come and was humiliated and made fun of and disrespected and nailed to a cross and he endured it all he endured the storm for you church grace grace God's grace he endured it for you so that now you can say yes I face the storms. Yes, I live in a broken world. Yes, my life is not all smooth sailing. But in the storm, I have a shelter. In the storm, I have hope. In the storm, I have a Savior. Jesus goes into the storm with his people. So stop trying, stop trusting in yourself. And focus on the one who is in your boat. When we face the storms of life, when we face the brokenness that this world brings, cancer, infertility, the loss of a child, brokenness of family relationships, feelings of loneliness, depression, anguish, Whatever the storm is that you're facing, focus on the one who has overcome the storm. Because he is taking you to where you will go. And if you put your trust and your hope in him, he will get you there. But if we trust in ourselves, we will not. So I want to close with two points of application this morning. If you are a follower in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, if you've come to a place where you've said, I know that there's nothing I can do, and I cry out to Christ to save me, then take heart and face the storms of life with the confidence that Jesus is in your boat with you. He doesn't just save you in the beginning and meet you at the end in glory, but he walks with you step by step 
and faces everything that you will encounter with you. And in the storm, you have a shelter. If you're here this morning and you realize that I've never come to that place. I've always trusted in myself. I've trusted in my own intelligence. I've trusted in my own moral philosophy. I've trusted maybe in my empty religion of coming to church and being a good person in my morality. Then I pray that you would see this morning that your boat is filling with water. And there's nothing that you can do. And that Jesus wants to be your shelter. He's already done the work. He's already given himself for you. And he has a gift that he wants you to receive. So that in every storm that you face, you may have hope and assurance. And not face it alone. But be sheltered by the one who gave himself. So that you might have victory in the storm.